0: Every minute, every moment counts. Hello, I'm Julie Hyde, and I understand what it takes to make these moments count for leadership, business, and your life. This podcast will deliver insights and game-changing leadership moments that will allow you to level up and shine a light for those around you. Let's get into today's episode. With me today is Katherine Elliott, and she's the founder of the Alcohol Mindset Coach and My Breast Friend. In August 2019, at the age of 46, Kath discovered a large lump in her breast while getting dressed to race out the door for work. She instinctively knew something wasn't right, and two days later, she was diagnosed with locally advanced breast cancer. She went through six months of grueling chemo and is now very pleasingly cancer free. But as a former binge drinker for over 30 years, Kathy is now passionate about building awareness about the deeper human connection you can achieve through sharing your experience of illness and trauma and how choosing to remain alcohol free during this period, was a catalyst to further healing and growth for her. So welcome, Kat. Hey, Julie. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I just, I'm so looking forward to diving into this chat today. And as we were just talking about, it is very timely because it's in line with October being Breast Cancer Awareness Month and also October.
1: I know it's the perfect month for someone like me bringing two areas of interest, alcohol and and breast cancer. So this is absolutely perfect timing.
0: Yes, yes. And the two are incredibly linked as I'm sure that you will tell us about. So first of all, I'd love you to take us back to 2019 and the moment that you stopped drinking. What was the catalyst for that?
1: Yeah, that's a big question. And it's one that There's not a specific answer to. I think for me, it was a slow build over a number of years. I think I had been questioning my drinking probably for 10 or 15 years, to be honest. It was a little voice in my head that had constantly just been questioning how much I was drinking, why I couldn't necessarily stop at just one or two drinks, why I'd wake up the next morning regretting, I guess, some of my behaviour from the night before. So the interesting thing for me was that, you know, drinking had been very much linked to my identity. You know, I'd grown up in the in the 80s as a teenager then and binge drinking was very much part of the culture here. I grew up in Melbourne, used to drink on Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. There wasn't really any, I guess, boundaries put on on drinking and I was a good drinker and I could drink a lot for a female and so I had a lot of positive affirmation around my drinking as I was growing up. I guess it was after I got married and and then considered having children that I started to really think about, you know, cutting back on my drinking, which I didn't find hard to do. Like I had no problems not drinking when I was trying to get pregnant, when I was pregnant and when I was breastfeeding. But it was once I went back to drinking, I just found myself back in really kind of unhealthy binge drinking patterns is what I would call it. But also feeling very alone and thinking, is there something wrong with me? Everyone else seems to drink a bit like I do. Is it really enough of a problem for me to seek help? I mean, I'm, you know, very functional. I've got a, a, a professional job. I'm I go and do my exercise every morning. I look after my diet. So I had all of this other conversation going on in my head that was trying to convince me that, you know what, your drinking probably isn't that much of a problem. But what I've come to realise is that um, it absolutely is, and a lot of us fall in this spectrum of not being what we would refer to as, you know, having a daily dysfunctional drinking problem that's causing us massive issues in our life. A lot of us fall in this kind of grey area drinking spectrum and I was one of them. And binge drinking really was starting to suck out a lot of positive energy in my life. And I was starting to really worry about my drinking. I used to worry about recovering from drinking. I used to worry about when I was going to get you know the next drink. Sometimes we were going out, so there was just so much energy being taken out of me, um, and it didn't feel good. It didn't feel like it aligned with my values because I loved being out in nature and hiking and walking and doing exercise and meditation and yoga and all those other things. And there I was, you know, sipping green juice and and doing yoga, and yet you know, I was getting myself wasted on the weekend, and it just didn't it didn't balance out for me. So it was really a holiday in April, a family holiday when I was out with another family. My kids were there, my three boys and my husband, and I had a really bad binge and my kids saw me in this state and I didn't remember it and I felt very ashamed. But it was also the catalyst for me to really think to myself that I needed to have an extended period away from drinking. And so that was in the April I didn't have another bad binge again. I still drank until the 30th of June, which is when I had my last drink and decided that the 1st of July as the start of, you know, dry July was going to be the start of that period. And I haven't had a drink since. So that's over three years ago now.
0: That's amazing. And I can totally resonate with the culture of binge drinking And it's still very alive, particularly in Australia. We seem to have this binge drinking culture where a lot of the European countries I've found just, they don't understand that, especially in Italy, you know, you drink a glass of wine to enhance your meal. It's not something that you drink a lot of. And like you say, you weren't an alcoholic, but it had become a way of life for you so to speak. And it's that binging because, you know, I know for myself before I was diagnosed too, I would have quite a few drinks on a Friday or Saturday night, but I wouldn't drink during the week. So in effect, that's okay because I'm healthy for the majority of the time, you know, the 80-20 rule.
1: Yeah, totally. (laughs) That was exactly the mindset that I was in for a long period of time. As long as I'm really good during the week, I can kind of let loose on the weekends, right?
0: Yeah, 100%. And then, like you say, you were diagnosed with breast cancer only six weeks later after giving up alcohol. Like, that must have been the biggest shock.
1: Yeah, look, it a- absolutely was. I mean, that day, I'll just never forget that day. It was like it was in slow motion because it started off like any other day Um, in that sort of period of my life. You know, I was working in corporate PR. I was getting ready. We had a video shoot on for, ironically, a health campaign for um the Gene House Foundation <laughs> that day. And I'd been at the gym. I was running late. I was in the shower. And I just sort of got this, you know, my inner voice started talking to me, started saying to me, Kath, slow down. You're in stress mode. Just slow down. Take a couple of deep breaths. Doesn't matter if you're five minutes late. And then the message came and go and look at yourself in the mirror. Immediately, my eyes went to this raised sort of skin that I could see on my right breast. And I immediately put my hand there and I could feel this really quite large mass in my right breast and my heart. I'll just never forget that feeling. I just, everything froze and I was just like, and I couldn't really breathe. And then I was trying to yell down to my husband and I couldn't get the sound out. And it just it was that moment in time when everything just froze and i knew right then and there that i had breast cancer even before i went through the tests and everything i just knew and i really feel like in a way being in the shower at that point in time in the mirror and everything you know i was listening and there was some awareness and i'm just so grateful that i then you know went to the gp straight away that that morning and i had a diagnosis you know, very quickly after that, and had to start chemo treatment, you know, the following week because it was quite an aggressive type of cancer. I was very lucky that I, it hadn't spread to my lymph nodes or any other areas. But of course, trauma, challenge, oh my gosh, it's very triggering because in the past, when I'd been through any other trauma or challenge or difficult time, I'd used alcohol to to numb or to get me through or it's just one of those things even in society that as a culture here we do if something happens and it's not great well we catch up for a drink and drown our sorrows and so for me it was like wow six weeks into choosing to have an extended period away from drinking I'm now facing the greatest challenge of my life. Is this the right time to continue not to drink? And the answer to that question became apparent very quickly for me because I actually got into this real doing mode in the first, I guess the first two or three weeks, I became obsessed with reading information. For some people don't want the information, but I became obsessed with just finding out everything I could about people who had got through cancer. I wanted to find out positive stories as much as possible, not the negative ones. And also, I was just looking at my life and my lifestyle. And there were a couple of things that came to me. I thought, you know what, there are probably two things that have not been healthy lifestyle factors for me in the last 10 years. One of them is my drinking. And the other one is probably some stress in my marriage with Um, some financial stress that we'd had. So there was some of this sort of stuff. So that's when I started to do a bit more research into the links between alcohol consumption and breast cancer. And that is when I uncovered, my gosh, I was just shocked that I didn't know that, I mean, every drink basically that you have increases your overall breast cancer risk. Even if you're having just one drink a day, you know, seven drinks a week can increase your overall breast cancer risk By up to 10 or 15%. And so, this to me was really shocking. And I was like, why haven't I seen a public health campaign about this? Why don't I go into my GP and see this plastered on the walls? And so, very quickly, I thought to myself, well, I have breast cancer. I want to give my body the best chance of healing. And so, I am definitely not going to drink whilst I'm going through treatment and whilst I have breast cancer. And so that was the commitment that I made at that point in time and then I felt I felt pretty good about it. And to be honest, I don't think I would have really wanted to drink during chemo. I never thought about it but I just don't think I would have
0: wanted to drink either. Gosh, I mean I'm so sorry that this happened to you and your story just gives me goosebumps as you tell the story, you know, about looking in the mirror and seeing the lump. But hearing those messages... Do you think that that decision earlier on in 2019 to give up was a message from the universe as well?
1: I actually do. I almost think sometimes your body knows something is coming before your your logical mind does. So I, I really like to think that my body kind of was saying, yep, you know what, something's coming. This is what you need to do. And so I feel like I was getting a nudge, absolutely. And I, I'm very much into tapping into your intuition and listening to those inner messages. It's become a very important part of my life. And since I have stopped drinking, I am able to hear those messages a lot more than I, I used to when I, when I was drinking
0: and I trust them a lot more. Interesting. Because I find when I stop drinking, which I pretty much have as well, you get so so much more clarity of mind. So that enabled you to hear that message from the universe, to get that download, or just to listen to your intuition, whatever people want to believe. But there was something that you heard which then sort of made you take action to look in that mirror. And then you notice the lump. Like it's just, it's just mind-blowing for me how that all played out for you oh it really is
1: I know yeah. when I kind of look back and make sense of it it's quite crazy and I think the other thing is when I was drinking as I said it was taking up so much mental capacity in my brain right. thoughts you know all sorts of thoughts that once I'd stopped it just allowed so much more space to be and to slow down and that is when we can tap into our inner knowing and our intuition because we're slowing down, we've got more clarity and we're actually more at ease with ourselves and our inner soul, our spirit, whatever you want to call it. And so I found that was actually a really magical part of the experience. Even when I was in the trauma of the breast cancer diagnosis in the early days, I was still actually practicing a lot of slowing down and really
0: tapping into, you know, into myself. We are all leaders, but you cannot be a leader of others unless you are a leader of self-first. Over the past two decades, I've empowered hundreds of leaders to deliver positive impact to the business they are representing, resulting in extraordinary sales growth and high staff retention rates. I'm often asked the question, how can I work with you, Julie? Here's how. I present one-hour keynotes to corporations, providing practical tools and strategies for leaders and their teams to take control of busy, to be intentional with their actions and achieve the high-performance results that they're looking for. I also work one-on-one with a select few ambitious and courageous leaders who understand the key to creating their success starts with them. So if you'd like to connect, you can find me at juliehyde.com.au. You said that you relied on like the alcohol to deal with trauma in your life. And this is one of the most challenging experiences that you were facing into without your crutch, without your best friend, if you like, that helped you through it. So that must have been really hard. But I noticed that you said just before that you just made that commitment that that was it. And I think when we go through these situations, and you know, it might be the same for you, that it's so interesting how what's really important becomes so top of mind and we just go, no, nope, that's it. I'm done. I'm doing this. You know, even slowing down, like you say, you know, you had a really, you know, high powered, high, probably stressed job in terms of like the PR world. So it's just making those decisions to serve you and your healing. So with the healing component and the fact that alcohol is so linked to the breast cancer, which we don't know, your mission is that you're really keen to open up the conversation further, what the problem of alcohol can look and feel like, and that you don't need to hit rock bottom or be labeled as an alcoholic or, you know, have have lost your job or your family, et cetera, to realise that alcohol is really causing issues in your life and therefore you need support. So what are some of the things that we should be looking out for?
1: Yeah, look, I think it's different for every person, but I think if you're asking questions about your drinking, if you're finding it difficult to stop when you want to, if you're finding it difficult to limit you're drinking. If you're waking up after drinking and not feeling good about your drinking, if you're drinking over a period of time has even changed um, and the reasons why you're drinking have changed as well, some people notice a change that they start to drink a lot more at home or it's isolating you or that you might have cut off from friends as well um, and you might be drinking at home a lot more. Or you might have been a social drinker and then you actually come home alone and drink after you've been socially drinking. So there are so many different warning signs and for everyone, their own opinion of their drinking is quite unique because I have a lot of clients on the spectrum at at quite different levels. Some people believe they want to change their drinking habit and they're only having one or two glasses of wine a day, but they have noticed in themselves that if they challenge themselves not to have one or two glasses of wine a day, it feels really uncomfortable and it's a habit that's really kind of, I guess, become firmly entrenched. And for them, they see that as a problem. But for other people, that's not a problem at all. So I guess it's very individual. But from my perspective, the I guess the niche clients that I work with generally are professional men and women who, you know, generally high performers who are I guess, what I would call functioning binge drinkers. So they may not drink every day, but they have, I guess, a capacity for drinking maybe at events on the weekend where they just don't have that off switch. So they might have one or two drinks and then there's a tipping point and they end up drinking a lot more than they wanted to, a lot more than they should, and it can then lead to maybe having blackouts, not remembering parts of nights, hazy memories, pretty bad hangovers, not feeling great the next day and often feelings of sort of anxiety and regret about where the night ended up. And often then they won't drink for a few days and then they'll start to feel better about themselves. And, you know, the cycle will repeat, repeat, repeat.
0: And I can imagine that there's the shame attached to this as well. One
1: of the first things that I I do when I work with clients is we have a bit of a shame dump, right? Because we cling on to all this stuff that makes us feel really awful. And, you know, I say to them, just let it out. If there's stuff that you want to get off your chest, let's just Get it out because there's nothing that you're going to say to me that I probably haven't done myself, or I know the feeling of that. And I think once we actually share it with someone else and the shame comes into the light, we don't feel so bad. And I know for a lot of my clients, when I've said, Oh my gosh, well, yeah, that's what happened to me, or I have other clients that have been in exactly that same situation they kind of go, oh my gosh, I feel so relieved that it's not just me sitting here alone in this awful space. So yeah, that's so true. Shame is a massive part of of the issue.
0: Yeah. So you work with them to sort of normalise, I suppose, or validate how they're feeling in the situation you're you're in. Because you can walk that path with them because you've been there exactly the lived experience
1: in this coaching container is super important which is why i you know i'm a, a certified this naked mind alcohol coach which is a company in america and i think that's a really special part of this is that all this naked mind coaches have all had a lived experience of a certain alcohol issue problem whatever whatever you want to call it yeah
0: yeah, I think that's so important. So, in terms of wrapping up our conversation, what would you suggest are like the the key things or the, the steps that people can take in terms of identifying if they have got an issue? Sure. So, I think
1: identifying if you've got an issue really comes down to if you're worried about your drinking and it's been I guess a question that's been coming up for a while, then most likely you have a problem. And not to compare yourself to others, I think is really important as well. We do this thing of, oh, I, you know, you look at your friends around you and you think, well, I don't drink as much as so-and-so, or we all drink about the same. I mustn't have a problem. So I think rely on your inner questioning. And if that is coming up over time, then it's more than likely that you've got a problem. But the other thing that's really important to think about is, is it negatively affecting certain areas of your life, whether that be your relationship with yourself, other relationships, um, if there's you know something happening with work, is it affecting any of kind of your work relationships or showing up to work? But they're often in in the case of binge drinkers, it's generally the relationship with themselves that is the one that they are most sitting in shame with, and sometimes with if they've got partner or, or children or family that have been involved in situations. But this is the relationship that's the most important is the one that you have with yourself. And if you're worried and you don't like your drinking and your alcohol use, then. It's your responsibility to do something about it. No one else will. Alcohol is a highly, highly addictive drug. Uh, we forget this sometimes because it's so socially acceptable and it's not your fault that you have a problem with it, but it is your responsibility to do something about it. Because the thing is, if you don't, you're actually, it's only going to get worse over time. It doesn't get better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a really powerful message. And so on a final note in this very important month, what's the final message that you would love to leave with our listeners today? Okay, well, I think the final
1: message, given it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I would just love anyone who listens to this podcast, I would love you to share with the women, men in your life as well, that, Every drink you have does increase your breast cancer risk, and that every drink you don't have decreases your breast cancer risk. I'm not telling everyone that they have to stop drinking, but I just think it's really important, particularly young, like teenagers and young women, before they have their first child, if they are going to have children. This part of our drinking history is really important in terms of later breast cancer development. So, Know binge drinking in our teenage and young adult years after our first period, and then before a first pregnancy, if we have it. There's starting to um, be some some research around this that there's you know some links between that. So, I think it's just really important to understand that alcohol directly causes breast cancer. And between one and two thousand cases of breast cancer in Australia are linked directly linked to alcohol consumption. It's a lot.
0: Wow. Thank you, Kath, for being so generous in sharing your story with us today and in terms of your tips for what we need to identify. And I really encourage people to absolutely share this podcast with friends and family and colleagues and get that message out there. And I really want to thank you for making it count and for making a difference for so many, cats. And thank you for your time. Thanks so much for having me, Julie. I loved our conversation. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And I trust that you enjoyed leaning into one of the precious moments shared. I invite you to leave your thoughts as a review in support of this show. You can also share with your network and even rate and review it. I would appreciate that feedback and connection. I'd love to connect on LinkedIn or Instagram via my handle, Julie Hyde Leads. Until next time, live and lead intentionally and make it count.